previously on Film Code. Once again, Nathan was able to crack the code, gaining a three-point lead over the others and making it his eighth code-cracking victory. Um, so I went with 1999's Detroit Rock City. I don't know. I I, I don't that think hilarious. I don't think Phoenix would say <laughs> the code words Detroit and then have it in the title. I don't right. think he'd do that. But this fits all three clues. If it's wrong, at least it fits all three and it's viable. Um, so Ooh. Detroit Rock City came out in 1999. Obviously, Detroit's in the title. We got uh, Edward Furlong is in Terminator 2. And he's also in Terminator Dark Fate. And then Sam Huntington is in the Superman franchise from early 2000s. He's in Superman Returns. Um, so judging by Phoenix's reactions, that's probably not right. But at least it fits the category. At least it checks off all the boxes. So I'm, I'm happy enough with that. All right. Well, those were great guesses, guys. Uh, and I really can't believe this, but... Nathan got it right again. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? How did you do this? <laughs> so. All right. Well, I believe it's my code word this week. So I got to do all what's possible to defend a three-point deficit. So expect this to be extremely hard. And Phoenix, I'll text you the correct answer. <laughs> you too, KJ. I appreciate if it. If you're on next week, I'll text you guys the answer. Get me on and the And Nathan will still probably get it. <laughs> this week, it's Nick's turn with a brand new code word. Yes. So my code word was babysitter. Came out from 2019 to 2009. The two leads were in iconic 2010 films, and the writer and director combo have worked together in the past. Will Nathan's streak continue, or will one of the other guys be able to crack the code? Plus, the guys review the new DCEU movie, Wonder Woman 1984. And the guys give their 2021 most anticipated movies of the year. All that and more on this week's episode of Film Code. Phoenix Clouden. I am joined with three incredible go co-hosts. Almost messed that up again. Jesus. <laughs> uh, first off, welcome back, Mr. Nick Spain. Nick, how are you? Doing well, Phoenix. Super excited to be back on the show. This is our first recording in 2021. Last week we were talking about how last week's episode would be the last recording of 2020, but our first 2021 release. So super excited to finally be in 2021. Happy New Year, officially, to everybody out there. Hopefully this year is a lot more, uh, a lot less chaotic than it was last year. So hoping for, for a good year. 
yes, indeed. Same, same for all of us. Again, Happy New Year to all of you guys listening. And uh, we are also joined by Mr. KJ Russell. KJ, thanks for coming back again, man. We, we're happy to have you. What's up, Phoenix? Hey, Nathan. Hey, Nick. My boys, you know. Um, happy to be back into 2020 with you all. And now it's 2021 and I get to start it with you all. So very excited. Like everybody already said, Happy New Year to you and all your family members. Um, and hoping for a better year than last year. Yes, sir. Yeah. And of course, joined by the CEO of Hot Takes himself, Mr. Nathan Pig. Nathan, how are you? I'm great, Phoenix. Thanks for asking. Just going to reiterate what these guys said. It's great to be in a new year full of possibilities, full of listening to 32 episodes of Film Code and, and more side episodes for those of you who are first listening to us. Um, yeah, just excited for all these movies that are going to be dropping in 2021, which we'll be talking about here in a little bit. Absolutely. And uh, we are kicking off the new year, uh, technically, I guess, uh, with a very interesting movie that I cannot wait to hear because uh, I know how Nathan feels, but I've not spoken to Nick or KJ about it. So super excited. Uh, we are talking about the latest from Patty Jenkins. It is Wonder Woman 1984. This world is not yet ready for all that you will do. Your time will come, Diana. And everything will be different. Citizens of the world. I'm here to change your life. Anything you want. Anything you dream of, you can have it. You'll break your sargos. It's like now one day has passed. I don't want to be like anyone. I want to be an apex predator. You've always had everything, while people like me have had nothing. Well, now it's my turn. Get used to it. for rules the answer is always more the way i fly they will never find us i forgot to tell you what radar will they will they shoot at us so keen on this one i figure uh, you are but you know what i'm ready to go i think we can do better parachute pants yeah uh... does, it, does everybody parachute now uh had a simultaneous release in theaters and on hbo max due to the pandemic uh 
stars Chris Pine and Gal Gadot. Also, Pedro Pascal and Kristen Wiig. Very interesting uh, concept, a sequel to the original Wonder Woman. This is the ninth film for the DCU, I believe. All right, so let's get started, guys, uh, with our first impressions. Uh, spoiler free. Let's see, uh, Nick, why don't you start so we can get, a, get an idea of where you feel. Yeah, I know Nathan's excited about this one since he doesn't know where where I stand. But uh, but honestly, I watched it last night and it wasn't too bad. Um, <laughs> I, I I honestly I had a fun time with it. I mean, my man um, Pedro. I know you guys hate me, but it's. <laughs> um, I mean, was it a bad movie? Sure, but was it that bad? No, it wasn't that bad. Nathan giving it like one and a half stars. Um, my man Pedro, Mandalorian, loved seeing him. Um, so, yeah. All right. KJ, what about you? So, I'm not even going to lie to you all right now. Um, the first time that I watched this movie, I fell asleep. I watched it with my mom. She fell asleep. <laughs> my little brother, and he fell asleep. Um, so we all woke up uh, about mm, the end of the movie um, and had to rewatch it the next day. We're not happy about having to rewatch it the next day. So if that says anything about how we liked the movie or didn't like the movie, um, there you go. So very interested to see what everybody else has to say about it. So, so wait, did you... Did y'all end up finishing it or? Yes, yes. We, oh. we watched it again the next day. So okay. we watched the whole thing the next day. Um, but the first night, you know, uh, it, it didn't it didn't work for us. We all we all must have been too tired um, or it was something special about that movie that just knocked us all out. So. <laughs> all right. Nathan, please share your impressions of Wonder Woman 84. Well, Phoenix, as you said, you know what how I feel. Nick knows how I feel. KJ knows how I feel. So uh, at this point, it's just the listeners that need to know how I feel. Uh, this is awful. This is, it. honest to God, one of the worst movies of 2020, which is a historically bad year. This is terrible. I, On so many levels, I don't understand why someone approved this script. When they put it on camera, when they're looking back at it, in the editing room or, or whatnot, someone had to have said, guys, this, this is not good. I hope, I hope on this one in, in a franchise like the DCE, where we talk about studio interference and, you know, visionary directors not getting their vision realized and getting mandates from the studio. I hope that's what happened here. I hope, because I hope this is not what Patty Jenkins came up with. Cause this is awful. She is better than this. The first Wonder Woman is miles ahead of this. I hope this is so bad because the studio said this has to happen. This has to happen. Because otherwise, everyone involved with this project should should be suspended for a couple of years. I mean, this is this is gross how bad this is. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm so happy to say that after all of that, I find myself in agreement with Nick, actually. Uh, 
It was yes, sir. It, Shut yeah. up, Phoenix. You were laughing at me. I, I I I was because I was shocked that you felt the same way as I do. It's uh, it's it's bad. It's it's no doubt bad, but it it has enough shining moments that it ends up being just okay. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I called Nathan after I saw it, and I was like, "Yeah, it, I enjoyed it, but it's bad." Like, like if that if that makes any sense, it was enjoyable, but it it is bad. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of great moments. Like I said, Pedro Pascal is uh, fantastic in it. Uh, it's always great to see him, you know, saying doing good work. Uh, and and there's so many other things that we got to talk about. So. Let's uh let's let's break the seal. Uh Nathan, you hated this movie, so why don't you start and tell us all what you absolutely loved about it? I mean hated. I mean, yeah, you know. <laughs> I think it's all gotta start. And I've got a laundry list of complaints, right? <laughs> but I think it's all gotta start with the basic premise of the film. We have a stone that grants you anything you want. First of all, that's something that a second grader could come up with, okay? That premise is just beyond basic and, quite frankly, insulting. Um, I hated that. It was so dumb. And then to make it even worse, they put... Yeah, let's... We know this is this archaeological fact, right? They didn't know it was magical. But... Then they just let it sitting around in some museum office, and it's so obvious that uh, Max Lord is trying to get it, and they just let it sit around. Hated that. Um, and then they put it in Max Lord. It, the The whole plot line, right, of conflict was awful. It was awful. And listen, I know that we're all big Pedro fans here on the show because Nick and I love The Mandalorian. Uh, Phoenix just loves him for for whatever reason, but um, we like Max Lord because we like Pedro Pascal. Max Lord is an awful villain who has awful motivations. <laughs> and if it was not Pedro Pascal, if it was an actor we did not know his name, I guarantee we'd be saying different things because, man, that was bad. And it all culminates to that third act. And Phoenix, we talked about this in depth where he's standing under that blue light and she's got the lasso around his ankle. My lord, if that wasn't the biggest CGI fest of just steaming crap. <laughs> oh my god. I don't even know what I was watching. She's like, if you can forgive or want what you want. And he's like, ah! And there's papers flying everywhere. Oh my god, that was bad. That's going to make Green Lantern look great. That's going to make wow. Thor the Dark World look great. <laughs> My God. What the hell was that third act? <laughs> uh, Nick? I was going to say, this This is one of those movies that, like... I'll, I'll say this. I'll, I'll, I'll go negative since, since Nathan's roasting. It did not need to be two and a half hours long. There's no way, no how, where this movie needed to be two and a half hours long. And sometimes I was I was bored for sure. Um, I watched another two and a half hour movie after this, um, which was completely boring as well. Um, but this was was boring for for some parts. Um, 
all all discrepancy. I haven't seen the first Wonder Woman. Um, this is only the third DCEU movie I've seen with Justice League, which we reviewed for the show, and uh, Birds of Prey, which came out earlier this year. So I'm kind of like in the dark when it comes to the Wonder Woman storyline. Um, but I didn't like um, Chris, whatever his name is, Chris Pine. Um, his addition into the movie seemed a little weird to me um, in the body of some random person. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I just, I see where Nathan's coming from. But at the end of the day, like, I just don't see it as as that bad but i think you're right about 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 pedro if it if it wasn't him it probably would have been worse it's it's the same thing i think i said it here on the show or i think i was saying it's someone else i don't know we like mace windu because we like samuel L. jackson <laughs> samuel L. jackson's a badass he can play anyone and we love him but mace windu as a character blows he doesn't do anything if it was some random dude playing mace windu we wouldn't care but because it's samuel L. jackson we're like wow he's sweet it's the same thing. We like Pedro because he's the Mandalorian. Because he's funny. Because he's memed all over Twitter right now. But his character was written like ass. And I just want to touch on, before we get to KJ, I, I know you got a, got some problems here too. I want to touch on um, what you said about bringing back Chris Pine's character, whose name escapes me right now because I just don't care. Um, his name's Steve. Steve, yes, thank Tasker. you. Yes, um, Phoenix, we talked about this offline too. This was a desperation move to bring him back. It purely was. It made no sense story-wise bringing him back. The way that he died in the first Wonder Woman is one of the best things about that movie because of the heroic sacrifice and what it meant to Wonder Woman's character arc. And it's just seen like such a plea, such a desperation thing. We talked about this, Phoenix. It's like they were at the drawing board trying to come with with themes and ideas for this movie and they just didn't feel like it was strong enough i kind of hate when they bring back dead characters from anything um you know the way they do it in endgame truly works because that's i think it, a different unique situation but how they do it with loki and all the thor movies is a desperation um i i don't i don't have any other uh examples off the top of my head right now but i agree i think chris pine's a fine actor I don't think he did a bad job or anything like that. But bringing his character specifically in, it was desperate. All right, KJ, what about you? Um, well, to start out, I already knew that I wasn't gonna be the biggest fan um, from the beginning when they were in the mall, just the way that it just felt like, I don't know. I don't know if y'all had the same feeling, but it just didn't really exactly feel like a 2020 release of a superhero movie like yes it takes place in 1984 of course like some of the clothing whatever it might be um but just the way that it was done some of the cgi with it and it just didn't feel right um so i was like okay well i'm just gonna <laughs> still have an open mind to it. i just want to have an open mind um we're talking about bringing uh chris back and that is the part where i fell asleep um when <laughs> They were at the party and then he comes up in this different body and I'm like, okay, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. Then they get back to his apartment. After that, I was knocked out. I didn't remember a single thing the next day um, about what happened after that. Uh, so then after watching it the second time, um, still didn't like that part of the movie at all. Um, don't even understand it. And 
villain wise I, horrible terrible absolutely terrible um speaking about the motivations doesn't make any sense really like okay so he had all these oil rigs that needed oil so he wished to be the rock or the the, the person that to grant all the wishes like it doesn't make any sense to me um and then if the fbi was looking into this artifact and they give it to this museum there isn't a single agent that will be like protecting it or asking any questions about where it's at if it's so important and they need to look into it because they know it's it can be used for anything like there wasn't a single fbi agent there i i just don't understand i don't understand i don't understand that and it just it just did not feel right it didn't feel like all the pieces were going together of course it was you know wonder woman and her love and then we have the secondary villain that wants to be wonder woman and then she gets like three or four different wishes to become a predator like i like i don't even understand like she just wished to be a predator at the end of the movie um, and, and then that predator only appears in one five minute scene and then the fight wasn't even that good. It was a whole bunch of CGI. And then they ended up in water and she electrocuted her. Like it, I, I don't know. It was very interesting. Um, this is probably one of those movies that I would not watch again, um, unless I was held down to watch it. Uh, <laughs> so that is, that Hold is them down. Hold them down. Okay. So, <clears throat> so like, Feel like you guys gave it a healthy thrashing. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna err on the side of the positive. Uh, okay, I think a lot of the, the, the criticisms are valid, uh, but I do want to point out some good things. I think Gal Gadot is uh, improving in terms of uh, her acting ability. She showed a little bit more range in this movie uh, that I felt, and um, I did like. Okay, like first off, you talk about that mall scene. That mall scene was atrocious. Okay, it, it did not belong in this movie. I don't know why she didn't cut it. It would have made perfect sense as a deleted scene, as just something you know fun and cool and cute. Uh, but there was no reason for it to be here. You're right about the length, two and a half hours, way too long. Uh, I mean, especially the, for, the first twenty minutes could have been axed yeah. right there. I mean, well, like, granted, granted, we, we did. didn't need we didn't need. We didn't need the, oh, let me just screw around when I'm a little kid. Like, we don't need that. Well, let's get into it, Phoenix, if you don't mind, real quick. Because Patty Jenkins said, this is true, Patty Jenkins said that the studio did not want there to be two openings to the movie. Because the mall scene is an opening, it is. Um, I feel like, personally, if this was the first Wonder Woman movie, that scene would make sense. We see her as a kid. We see her what she is now. But since there's already a first movie, we already know what this character's about. So yeah. why do we need another one? Um, yes, I, I, I'm i a big fan personally of When She's a Little Girl. I think that scene is so fantastically shot, so well done, but it's so unnecessary. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme yeah. of things. See, Someone could walk in 15 minutes after you're watching it and be like, what I miss? And you'd be like, well, literally nothing. Yeah, well, I disagree. Okay, I disagree. I think the Amazon scene makes perfect sense. I think it ties into her character as a person, especially like when her, I believe it's her culture, her squad leader, I'm not sure, 
when she tells her that, you know, no true hero is born from lies. I think that that ties into this story as a whole as basically, you know, you can't always get what you want, basically. And that that I understand. And like you said, I think it is beautifully shot. I think it is a great looking scene. Uh, it's it's really sharply done and has seriously some of the most action in the entire movie, which is a, hilarious. But yeah, it's uh, it's so well made. Right. It is such a great scene, but it is so unnecessary for the grand scheme of things. Like, yes, it can be great and not needed at the same time. Yeah, I I, I think it is needed, uh, but the mall scene definitely is not. Oh I think God. it's I think it's excessive. I think it's pointless. We I were. Think, does nothing for the movie at all um phoenix we were we were talking about this too like these are four overweight middle-aged guys <laughs> against a goddess right and either she is just completely half-assing it but it doesn't look like it she looked like she was fighting pretty hard and these completely four normal dudes who have beer bellies are giving her a fight and not only that, when she's jumping around, flying around, I said this to to my mom and my girlfriend watching this with me. I was like, that looks so fake. It looks yeah. so, so fake. And listen, <laughs> Gal Gal was pregnant while shooting this. Um, so, oh. yep. Okay. So I, I recognize that she was limited in what they could do, obviously, when you're carrying a child. Um, I still think that just looks so ridiculously fake. Yeah, there, there's nothing. There's nothing good about that scene. Like the only thing it does is, is introduce the artifacts and say, you know, why why they needed to uh, study it, right? And honest to God, you could have done that without that scene. If if we had just gone straight to the museum, met uh, Kristen Wiig's character, and Diane met her, and then the lady popped up and said, "Hey, the FBI wants to study some artifacts." Honest to God, would not have missed it. <laughs> would not have missed that scene. It, that would have made sense. Uh, so, those are those are valid complaints. I want to I wanted to get into some good stuff. Um, I do think Kristen Wiig was a good casting choice. Uh, I I I was weird on it at first when I first saw it. I was like, not sure I I see her as Cheetah, but as the movie went along, I really liked her character and I liked her build up. And she, she really fit the role, I think, uh, fairly well. I don't really like Cheetah's backstory. I think it's uh, a bit silly, you know, but for what they did, I think Kristen Wiig was a, was a, good, was a decent fit. Well, not now, only that- I have a question for you. Yeah. So, of course, Cheetah always in Wonder Woman's story, obviously, but the way that she was she came about in the movie the fact that okay you are granted one wish and she was granted about three or four wishes to become cheetah like i i just don't understand what they were going for with that i feel like it just didn't go with the artifact and the rules of the artifact and then her coming about did you like that uh no uh, <laughs> okay, I was just just making sure. Like, obviously, Cheetah is necessary, and yes, right. secondary villain, all of that. But the coming about of her is yeah. 
horrible. It, it's muddled, and I'm I'm not sure it makes much sense. Like I got the first wish, like I want to be mm-hmm. like Diana. That made that made sense. But the fact that she got another wish for some reason, I was just like, no, <laughs> no. Well, and it, I think I think they kind of back themselves into a corner with, um, look, you have a character like Wonder Woman who's a literal goddess. You need you need to find an equal threat to her. Mm-hmm. So they kind of had to pull them something out of their butt to do it. Like this whole wish thing. I mean, literally, let's please stop the superhero trope of big fan of the superhero gets dissed by the superhero becomes the villain. And she wasn't necessarily dissed. She was more jealous. But I'd put that under the same umbrella. It happens in The Incredibles, Iron Man 3, countless, countless other movies where I'm a big fan of you. I want to be like you. I get dissed by you. Now I'm the villain. It happens in almost every superhero movie. (laughs) I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. (laughs) So um, she just falls in that same trope yet again. And I just think they they back themselves into the corner there. I think it's going to be the same thing with Captain Marvel 2. It happened in Avengers Endgame. Captain Marvel is so strong that they don't know what to do with her. And I think it's kind of the same thing. Uh, I guess uh, touch on the runtime that Nick talked about. Absolutely no reason this needs to be two and a half hours. Absolutely no reason. I don't understand why they cut Justice League and made Justice League be under two hours. So it's a one hour, 59 minute, 59 second runtime. (laughs) But they were like, yeah, go ahead. Maybe they learned from their mistakes. Maybe they were like, you know what? We, We effed up on that one. But so much of this needs to be cut out. And I would love to talk about plot conveniences. I shredded to five bloods for its plot conveniences. Oh, I got to go take a dump. Which direction should I walk in? Oh, look, I found gold. Right. You're telling me that Chris Pine, a guy who died in like 1919 or 1920 or something, (laughs) and did not come back until 1980, knows how to fly a jet that was not around when he was alive in 19-whatever, he knows how to fly that? Also, also, that jet is just fully gassed up in in like a museum? What? Also, one of the things that I was like, was when she was like, I can make this go invisible. But I've (laughs) only done it once in the past 50 years, and it was a coffee cup. And then she's just like, oh, yeah, the plane is invisible. I don't understand why. Why? You know, that that scene, I, I don't know why I keep referencing the Avengers. I'm sorry. But um, that scene in Endgame after Black Widow dies, and they're all talking on the little, like, balcony in front of the mm-hmm. pond. And Hawkeye is like, will you go tell the red guy with the, the floating red guy? And that scene gets memed all the time on Twitter. People are like, I can't believe this was in a real superhero movie and you guys like it. Why is that memed? But the whole... Uh, he made a coffee cup invisible. Uh, now I want to make the jet invisible. Why is that not mean? Because that's awful. That is well, awful. It's awful fair, acting. It's awful dialogue. It's awful everything. To be fair, uh, if Wonder Woman lore, she does have an invisible jet. Like, that is, like, a part of her uh, repertoire. Um, yeah. I, yeah, it could have been done that. Like, the the way that they do it is, is incredibly cheap. It feels like this was something that they meant to have in the first movie and never got around to it. And so they threw it into this one. But 
But yeah. can we but can we talk about <laughs> how there's a fully gassed up jet <laughs> that can fly from wherever they were to wherever they're going, like across the ocean, that is sitting inside a museum. First of all, we bet we've all been to museums. We've all seen giant planes or ships. How many of those are gassed up <laughs> while they're sitting in a building? Um Zero. I don't think it was more of a museum. I think it was like an actual airport. Because there was a runway. It was outside. It was like, I think it was an actual airport for the CIA, not just some museum. But she got in. She waved her card and got in. And she's like a museum. museum. Yeah, so why does her museum card get her in an airport? I think it's like, (laughs) because it's like the Smithsonian, but it's like a side thing, like about the Smithsonian. Because why would there be an airport? Why would there be a runway at a museum? Like, answer me that. Why would there be a runway at a museum? I, you're right. There there wouldn't be and there shouldn't be. <laughs> you're right. right. Exactly. That's because it's not a museum. Okay. Unless, unless... Sure. Fine. Fine. I'll give you that. Why <laughs> does a guy who died in 1920, 1919 um, know how to fly a jet that's 1980? I'm not trying to defend that. I'm not trying to defend <laughs> that. All I'm saying is that it was not a museum. They're not taking off down national mall right by the washington <laughs> monument it was how, like an actual did, like facility why did her car get her in then like i'm yeah. not understanding that piece then if it's not a, if it's not a museum at I, all why did she get in the way that i took it is that it was like an extension of the smithsonian because like there's multiple times where it says like something about the smithsonian i don't know if anybody's ever been to the smithsonian but the smithsonian is in national mall where the Washington Monument, the um, the Capitol building, and the Lincoln Memorial is. It's right there. It's like right on the main row. It's like a building. That was, that was that was nothing like the Smithsonian. So like I'm guessing it was an extension of the Smithsonian, which had airplanes just chilling for some reason and a runway. I bet I could look it up and find it and answer all of our problems. Mm-hmm. So let me do that. <laughs> I'm just and thinking that. If she should be able to like hold her card up there and she say access denied because there's no reason that she should be there. Why can't she break the chain like she did a or, half or hour that, earlier? Like, okay, she broke in. That makes sense. But yeah. she literally held her card up and got into them. All right. Well, while while Nick is looking at that, I will say something positive about this film. Groundbreaking, right? Um, I do think the fight they have inside of the whatever they were at, um, where. Um, Kristen Wiig's character, Cheetah. She's not Cheetah yet, but she first approaches Diana with her new powers um, and kind of the, the big four are there. I think that's fine. I think it was choreographed fine. I think the dialogue is fine. Notice the word I keep reusing is <laughs> fine. Not great. Not good. It's passable. Um, I thought all that scene was, was rewatchable thought it was a little bit fun it looked like it belonged in a wonder woman movie um i thought that was done really well okay we have we have the answer so this is the smithsonian has a national air and space museum at washington dolly's international airport so it has ships or like has um like planes chilling there but it's also at an international airport so like it's it's like the thing in cleveland where like nasa has that like john glenn building Mm -hmm. at the airport yeah 
So, like, if you're a NASA employee, you can probably scan in. So she works at the Smithsonian, so she can scan in. I don't, you know, where, you know, the plane has the full tank of gas and whether they're just allowed to take off at an international airport. Like, that's all the mistakes. But I'm just defending the fact that this is a side thing of the Smithsonian. A, that is a, a plus reference for the John Glenn Center, uh, <laughs> I will say. And I appreciate your heart in uh, defending this <laughs> random scene in this crap movie. I appreciate the heart. Hey, you can you can hate, but you can't hate on something that you just think you understand, but you don't know. Right. But so but but other go. but other people are saying the same thing. It's not like I pulled this out of my. Well, brain. then I should go on Twitter and defend this one random <laughs> scene in this two and a half hour long movie because all those idiots are wrong. Look up, look up the Smithsonian at the international airport. You'll see, you'll see. So, but I feel like this, for me, was the case of like something getting more watchable as it went on. The first like hour or so, I was like hour and a half. I was just watching. It. I was like, there's just something off. Like when you get that feeling about watching a movie and you like know that there's something off but you just can't put your finger on it that was how like my first hour and a half experience of this movie was while the plot didn't make sense to get there or you know there were so many conveniences when everything really started turning to shit that's when it was like a more enjoyable kind of film i say this to nathan all the time there's films that are enjoyable but problematic like the last jedi and then there's also films that like are gr- well made, but are just so boring. And Wonder Woman is the set, um, the not well made but entertaining for me at least. I yeah. could find some entertainment value in it, while it was not written and well made as a whole. I just think it was an entertaining enough film for me to sit back and be like, yeah, I know there's problems, but like. Why am I going to just shit on it when I could just enjoy it? And I, I see where you're coming from there. I, I do. Like, you can sit down and enjoy this because it's it's easily digestible if you don't want to think about it. If, you, if you're so tired and you just throw this on, you're flipping through channels and you see the last hour of it's on. If you don't want to think too hard, it's easily digestible. But for me, the problems, the problems just overweigh the fun of it and and listen what you just said is how i feel about justice league like i think justice league is so bad i'm not defending that movie it is awful but i think it's fun it's fun we could watch justice league and i would have a good time but it is so bad and wonder woman it's all so bad that it just makes me want to puke okay so like I uh I, I just got HBO Max, so I'm super happy when this movie Thank dropped. you, Phoenix, for the for the hookup. Yeah, no I'm gonna watch Chernobyl on that. Oh nice. All right. <laughs> but uh yeah, so like I got it the first day and I was like, all right, well, I couldn't make it to the theater, so I was like, I'm just gonna watch it on HBO Max. And uh I got it like an hour in and I actually really enjoyed that first hour. Like minus the mall scene. Uh, I thought that first hour was really interesting. And I was like, at the time I was seeing all the like hate vitriol it was getting on, on Twitter. And I was like, I was like, I don't know, man. I think you guys are over exaggerating. Like, 
this first hour is solid. I was like, I can't imagine that it gets that much worse in in the late, later hour of the film that, you know, it goes from promising to, to complete shit. And uh, so HBO Max wasn't working for me. So I finally went in, into the theater and saw it. Um, there were a lot more things that I caught in that first hour that I didn't catch uh, watching it on HBO Max. So I was grateful for that. Um, but yeah, actually, once it got into that second hour, it does transform and shit, and that's uh, kind of hard to to ignore that. Uh, like like Nathan said, I, I agree. That scene, like that entire scene, when they're uh, fighting in the cars in Cairo, and you know what I'm saying, they're fighting on the I guess what a highway or something like that. That was great. The the scene with Cheetah was great. That was like like the action scenes, like you give me those two scenes and the Amazon scene, and even like Cheetah and, and Wonder Woman's final fight scene, solid. They're solid action scenes. The problem is there's not enough. Like they're, this, this is it. And they're each like barely five minutes long in a two and a half hour long movie. It was just, it, it wasn't enough of the good stuff I, I, actually, I should say it was barely enough of the good stuff and so much bad stuff. It, it just ended up being pan. I, I'd, I'd love to touch on something else. Um, I, you talked about that fight scene. That fight scene was great. Um, the, like, on the cars and the tanks yeah. and whatnot where she saves the kids. Uh, but that made me think of my, my other big gripe. Um, I guarantee you no one else is thinking about this, but my family and I did. Um, what's this movie called, guys? Wonder Woman 84. Right, Wonder Woman, right? That's that's the main character, right? She's the superhero. Yeah. Okay, we see Wonder Woman literally once in yeah. the first one, one hour and 45 minutes. One hour and 45 minutes. Before that tank scene, the yeah. mall scene's the only time we see her in an hour and 45 minutes. Are you kidding me? Wow. This is a Wonder Woman movie, and we see her once in an hour and 45 minutes. And the one time I mean, wasn't even a good time. That should that should, <laughs> that should tell you all you need to know about the script. So now, say, say now, you like now, it, say you hate it. Right. Say you like it, say you hate it. Everyone, everyone, no matter how you feel about this movie, needs to recognize that it is a problem when you see your superhero once in an hour and 45 minutes. Now I understand why that mall scene That's crazy. Good. Now I get it. I mean, what really, what was the thinking? Was it Gal Gadot wants to be more of, show her drama side and not her action scene side? Was it because she was pregnant? They wanted to cut down the action? I don't know. Because she was Wonder Woman plenty in the second half. But one time in an hour and 45 minutes. If nothing else sticks with you, I want it to be that. That's a fairly good point. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Uh, so I think we've uh, fairly maligned <laughs> the movie. Uh, let's get some final ratings. KJ, we'll start with you. Your final rating for Wonder Woman 84. I'm going two and a half. Um, I think at the end of the day, for at least for me, I know 
Phoenix, you know a lot about superheroes. I know Nathan likes superheroes as well as Nick. Um, like there's still like some fun scenes. We talked about some of the fight scenes. Uh, at the end of the day, it's a Wonder Woman movie. So it interests me to begin with. Will I rewatch this movie? <laughs> Probably not. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a superhero movie. So I like it for that fact. Um, but it has way too many issues for it to be anything above three for me uh, personally. And we touched on all of those. So there's no reason for me to keep hitting on them. Um, just not a very well put together movie, in my opinion. So two and a half from KJ. Yeah. All right, Nick, what about you? I was going to say, I'm going to hit all the same notes that, that KJ did. It's going to be a low two and a half for me. Um, I think there were some redeemable qualities. Luckily for the, the studio, there was uh, Pedro Pascal. Just I had that recency bias with The Mandalorian. Just finished season two in like two days. Um, so I love that man. So him, him as the villain was, was definitely cool. He sounded nothing like Mando, which definitely low-key a little bit made me disappointed because I was coming into this being like, yeah, I'm going to hear the Mandalorian as the villain in this. Super excited. Nah, didn't hear it. So it'll be two and a half for me. Um, and that's that. Yeah, I am in the same camp. I'm going to ride that two and a half. Like I said, it's... Uh, it's a bad movie. <laughs> like this is this is a bad movie. Uh, it had a lot of misses. It had very few hits, uh, but you know, it, it just it just passes. Pedro Pascal is great. Chris Pine is great, uh, despite him being in a weird role that he, like Nathan said, it was a desperate role. Um, and even Gal Gadot is good. Is good. You know what I'm saying? Definitely better as an actress i think she really is great in this role um i uh, none of us mentioned this but the uh mid-credit scene with uh the original wonder woman that was fantastic um it's just really cool to see her uh but uh yeah two and a half this uh this doesn't go far enough well i still haven't seen the mid-credit scene because as soon as the credits rolled my tv was off um (laughs) This is a one and a half for me. This is awful for context. That's half a star away from Lovebirds, from Artemis Fowl, uh, from Jingle Jangle. This was so bad um, for for all the reasons why we already talked about. And it was just, it was very disappointing. In a year of extreme disappointment in movies, um, there's no way more fitting than, than to cap it off with this. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was Wonder Woman 84. Uh really want to hear you guys' opinions on it. So if you liked it or you hated it worse than Nathan, which is probably not possible, uh <laughs> please let us know. You can find us on Twitter at filmcodepod. We'd love to hear your uh your review of Wonder Woman 84. All right. So we are going to move on to some questions that we received this week. Uh, Nathan, do you have the questions? I do. All right. So first question comes from good friend of the show, Freddie Robles. Uh, You can find him on Twitter at Fred J-R-X. I-I-I. Freddie, thank you for the consistent questions. Uh, Freddie asked this week, what's a movie character that you don't get why that character is popular? And I'm going to throw it to you, Phoenix, to start. 
Ooh, okay. Um, a movie character whom I don't get is popular. Uh, I'm actually going to go with uh, two, and uh, they're both from this year. Um, the first is Emma. Uh, I love Anya Taylor-Joy, but I do not get the love this movie has. I do not get the uh, love that that character has. I find her utterly unbearable in the movie to be like suffocatingly just drab. So uh, that's that's definitely one. Uh, the other is gonna be also from this year, uh, from a movie that I actually liked, but I, I can't understand why anyone uh, anyone likes this character uh and that's gonna be bill murray in uh on the rocks um he's he plays a a, a father and he's you know decent but like he's he's kind of a dick and and like he's like an, uh, he's more of a snob like an obnoxious snob who knows everything who shows it that he knows everything Ugh. like <laughs> But, you know, he's not appealing to me. And there's a scene in the movie where he gets pulled over and because he's white and knows the, the cop's father, like they get off and he's drunk as shit. And it's just like, uh, I don't I didn't need to see that. That just hurts the whole the whole movie. So for me, th those are two for me. KJ, what about you? I'm going to have to go um, from the movie 365 and oh, Mitchell Moreau. He is. Oh, God. You actually watched that. Bro, it was <laughs> not my decision. <laughs> I had to. Um, forced to. Don't really oh. understand. Like, he has no substance to him. Um, the movie itself has no substance to <laughs> it. The movie is terrible. The character is terrible. Um, but the women love him for whatever reason. Don't really understand it. Um, but I would probably have to go with that for me. <laughs> go ahead, Nick. I was going to say for me, uh, one thing that comes to mind, and I could probably come up with a better answer if I looked more into it, but a characters that I just don't get why everybody likes the whole Knives Out cast. <laughs> this movie was just incredibly average um and everybody just seems facts. to love on this facts. movie lies um, like speak movie. it into existence facts <laughs> hey kj i like this movie but i think people overrate their shit it, it is it. so average it is so average we're not saying it's bad it's just not no. top tier i think it's above average. oh my god no but okay. that that whole cast um great actors not uh not good characters so Chris Evans is at the top of that list. Wow. <laughs> well, I completely agree with that. <clears throat> As for my yes, answer, sir. I'm going to start off with a hot take. Uh, shocker, shocker. <laughs> but Nick feels the same way. So at least I'm not alone. Um, don't don't row me into this. Unless <laughs> I agree to it. Freddie well, specifically, Freddie specifically said a movie character that's popular and that you don't get. Not that I disagree with, not that anything else, but um it's it's Don Vito Corleone from The Godfather. I think Ooh, that uh, yeah. as Marlon Marlon Brando's performance is great. He plays that character very well. That character 
these guys have not seen the Godfather, so I will not spoil, but um, he's not in the movie nearly as much as you would expect. Marlon Brando portrays a character well. He does a good job. That character is not in the movie nearly as much as you would expect. And if you've seen The Godfather, you know what I'm talking about. So do I think he delivers a good performance? Absolutely. Am I shitting on his performance? No. I don't understand why he's so popular given the time that he's in the movie. So that's my answer. It's literally the same thing that you said about Wonder Woman, about The Godfather. It's called The Godfather. And, you know, you know how it is, Nathan. Um, People say that this is one of the, the... not one of the greatest performance of all time. I just don't see it. And it's a good performance. I'm not saying Marlon yeah. Brando did a bad job. I just would prefer the best performance ever to be in more than half the movie. Yeah. Um, all right. So thank you for that, Freddie. I would also like to say everyone in the Royal Tenenbaum sucks. Um, okay. So let's move on. Diego uh, over on Twitter at Sarkarati 1971 asks, what is the best way to watch a movie? KJ, let's start with you this time. With your mama, uh, <laughs> I feel like watching it with your mom uh, always, or even your father, somebody older than you in some instances, because they have seen different things or experienced different things. So things that went over my head, um, even speaking on Wonder Woman, that's when we woke up at the end of the mid-credit scene. Like, yes, I knew of the older Wonder Woman, but my mom was the first person to say, oh, that's blah, 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 blah. And she played Wonder Woman. She also played in all these other things back in the day, blah, 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 whatever it is. Um, watching some other movies with my dad and him being able to illustrate things that he knows. Um, just watching somebody that's watching movies with somebody that's different than you, I believe. Uh, like I go to the movies with Nick and uh, Nathan all the time because we have different points of view um, and you can have a conversation about things. So I would definitely say watching movies with people um, I guess that's what I was getting at. Nick, what do you think? Um, as much as I love the, the theater experience, the, the, the food, the, the surround sounds, I think watching a movie at home is, is bar none. You don't have to spend any money. You don't have to, you know, drive anywhere. Um, and especially in the time that we're getting right now where it's kind of cold and rainy and in some parts snowy. Um, it's good to just kind of chill in the ca- on the couch, have a blanket, pop your own popcorn, have your own drink, have your own snacks, and not have to worry anything about, you know, annoying people, having to go to the bathroom, you can pause it whenever you want. Um, so while the, you know, the sound and the, the screen might not be as, as good as in the, the theater, being there's nothing better than being at home and just chilling, watching a movie. Phoenix, you look like you uh, have something to say, so go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to vehemently disagree with that. Uh, the best way is always hey, the I, theater. Uh, I ain't hating on the theater. I'm yeah. just saying that the more practical is at home. Yeah, practicality be damned. Uh, <laughs> I am a fan of the theater uh, experience all day long. Uh, it is it is better. It is more fun, and I think uh, – as an experience, like even if a movie is terrible, just getting out and being in the theater makes it that makes it even like a little bit better. So for me, it's it's definitely going to be in the theater. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Phoenix. I think at the theater is the best. And to add a little flavor to that, the best way to watch a movie is on opening night. You know, I 
I'm a big fan of opening night. When you go to opening night movies, the audience that is with you, whether it's full, whether it's half full, the audience that is with you is excited for that movie. There's no way someone just coincidentally shows up on opening night for a movie. I mean, I'm sure that happens, but it's rare. Um, the people that are in the audience with you want to be there. Chances are they won't be super annoying. Um, they're just as amped as you are, whether it's an MCU movie or whether it's the way back, um, which we both saw opening night. Um, opening night movies are just great because you're excited about it. You're there the first time it's in the theater. And um, I don't know. I've just become obsessed with opening night movies and that feeling on Netflix, clicking on it the first day it's available on Netflix is not the same feeling. So that's what I'm going to go with. And Diego, thank you for your question. All right. Last one comes from Aaron B. Shout out Cinema Chat uh, at Vibe and Bruschetta on Twitter. If you could choose any fictional character, who would you pick to be and why? Um, Nick, let's start with you. Uh, I think it's just recently biased. And for the same for the, the first question, uh, if I had more time to think about it, I probably would come up with a better answer. But I got to go with my man Mando. Um, just a badass. Um, gets to go around the, the galaxy fighting crime. Not really crime, but just fighting everybody that stands in this way. Uh, and, of course, you got cute old baby Yoda, Grogu. So, as of right now, the recency bias says, says Mando for me. Well, I'm going to go next just because I have a similar answer. Um, I'm going to be Luke Skywalker. You know, you can be Mando. I'll be the Jedi with all the powers and be yes, able to, to, to throw you over ledges with my brain. Um, I mean, being the greatest Jedi of all time and everything that comes with it before sensitive, I think that'd be sweet. Plus, I get this sweet lightsaber. So that's what it's going to be for me. Phoenix, what do you think? Uh, huh. I'm going to go really left field. And I'm going to be Alita from Alita Battle Angel. <laughs> oh, Phoenix. <Yep. laughs> switch genders and everything. Just because I want that sword. I think Rosa Salazar is cute. And I want to be half machine, half alien. So, yeah, I'm going with Alita. <laughs> Was actually, Runner? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I actually have a, a, a real answer. But I'll wait for for KJ to go. Was were you between Alita and Stacy from Stacy Runs a Marathon? <laughs> you mean Emily? No, no, it's uh solidly Alita. <laughs> KJ, what do you think? Um, I guess just off the top of the dome, it's probably Spider-Man. Um, that is always been my favorite superhero. I feel like he is the best superhero because he's the most relatable for a teenage or even a young child growing up. Um, so still waiting on my spider bite, but I would have to, uh, take him. <laughs> I can oh, just man. envision like KJ seeing a spider in his room and where most people would be like, ah, I got to kill that. So KJ like walks over to it and is like, puts his hand out, hoping, whatever you do, hoping for it to crawl up on him. Oh my God. All right, Nick, what's your, what's your answer? So even though Mando's a close second, uh, my number one is, is Tim Lake from about time. Uh, this man can can stand in, in a closet and time travel to any point in his life. Nathan and I talk about this all the time, how sweet it'd be to be able to like time travel and like see different perspectives in life. Um, 
like, you know, going back, starting high school, knowing what you know now, um, you know, not saying that would be better, but just getting a different perspective. Um, so I think being Tim Lake from about time, being able to travel in time would be sweet. Yeah, that is a fantastic answer. Um, all right. So most weeks on Twitter at film code pod, we ask you for questions just like the ones we asked now. It's a great way to get organic questions and just talk a little more freely about film. Um, so over on Twitter at film code pod, give us a follow. We'll ask for questions. We'll shout you out here on the show, just like we did for Aaron B, Diego, Freddie. Thank you guys. Make sure you get your questions answered next time. So over on Twitter at film code pod. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right. So we got an interesting discussion here. Like we said, this is, we are now in the year officially uh, 2021. And uh, we have a lot of films coming up uh, on the slate that we hope actually release in 2021. So we're looking at uh, what would be our most anticipated films of the year. And I'm super excited to, to know what these guys uh, have to say. Uh, so these are 2021 films that uh, currently have a 2021 release date. Uh, we don't know if they'll get pushed back later in the year, but uh, so that's what we're going with. Obviously, yeah, there's a lot. There's be a lot because we're backed up from 2020 movies. So we got yeah. some honorable mentions, and we'll do some uh, some top what seven, I eight, guess. Eight. eight. And and obviously, everyone's opinions are different. So you know, if if one of us doesn't say you're most anticipated, these are people's opinions. So um, you know, I'm excited to see what everyone okay. says. I'll start off with uh, some notable mentions, um, and then I'll throw it over to whoever wants to do their notable mentions next. Um, so some notable mentions. Obviously, these are some 2020 movies such as West Side Story, No Time to Die, um, Black Widow, um, just because it's the MCU, Eternals. Um, I don't think Spider-Man 3 was was last year, but we got that. Um, we got Candyman, which we've talked about in the past. Uh, Nightmare Alley, which is a, a remake of, of an older movie. Um, we got Spiral, um, and of course we got the Ratatouille musical, whatever that is. Um, so, so, so I've been going through my uh, which call it my Pixar rewatches. So Ratatouille's coming up, but Ratatouille the musical, whatever whatever that is. Um, and I think No Time to Die I mentioned that one. So yeah. Alrighty, KJ, I know you've got a comprehensive list so why don't you give us your honorable mentions well nathan texted me and was like as many movies that you can think of write down so i'm like okay you know i look up the site with 64 movies and i'm like all right you know let me just write everything that i like down and then i tell him oh i have like 27 movies like yeah you uh you did too much <laughs> I'm like, okay 
I'm right, so sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. It was fun going through and seeing what's coming up. Yeah, at um, least at least now you you're right. the guy. You're the 2021 releases guy now. Look at that. Some things yeah, that I didn't yeah. even know. Uh, I guess I put in one category um, to relive my childhood a little bit. So we have a Pinocchio movie, the SpongeBob movie. I hate SpongeBob, but I'm just gonna go see it because you know you feel me. Thank you. Um, whoa. <laughs> whoa. whoa. Anyway. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> Sesame, Sesame Street, Tom and Jerry, Rugrats. I'm putting all those in the same category of just, like, I want to go see because that's what I grew up on. Um, and then some things that I'm, like, very, very excited for. Uh, Mortal Kombat, that would be interesting. The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Um, Escape Room 2. I know a lot of people don't like the first Escape Room for whatever reason, but I love it. Um, and I'm ready for number two. I see Nathan over there loves it, too. So we're going to see that together, my guy um and then coming to america too that i mean something else that i grew up on uh really interested in seeing that and then i guess suic the suicide squad will be interesting as well all right phoenix it's that time let's hear your honorable mentions okay dope so uh you guys touched on a few of my honorable mentions um coming to america uh is definitely one of them no time to die is another one Candyman is another one, uh, but I think that's no, that's not it. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man Three is is gonna be an honorable mention for me. As much as I uh, enjoy that character, uh, I'm not like too crazy about seeing that movie. I'm like, just so there's so many. Uh, variables with that film that I'm I'll just wait for it uh also my honorable mention I know you guys are gonna hate this but is Dune uh it's a movie I'm interested in seeing but it's not at the top of my uh of my list and uh yeah I think that's it for my honorable mentions Alrighty, well uh kicking off my honorable mentions is The Last Duel Matt Damon Ben Affleck Childhood Best Friends uh, added again, as well as Adam Driver. No Time to Die, as well. Very am for that. Last Night in Soho, which I know will be appearing again. Um, Fast Nine. I know a lot of people are sick of this franchise, but Nick and I are are fans of the Fast franchise, so looking forward to that. I wish Cardi B wasn't in it, though. Um, yeah, she's disgusting. Don't hate. <laughs> Judas the guy and- who's like, I don't like SpongeBob. <laughs> SpongeBob um, is terrible. That's all right. Judas and the Black Messiah, um, which is weird because it's a 2021 release date, but we'll contend at the 2020 Oscars. But hearing tons of great things about Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield. So excited to see what those two talents are able to do. Um, The Dig. This is something that was not on my radar whatsoever. Carrie Mulligan, Ralph Fiennes, Lily James. Sounds really interesting. And then... Escape Room 2. You know, KJ already touched on it. I'm a huge fan of the first Escape Room. I know it's got bad reviews, but this was just an absolute mind boggle and has a great cliffhanger. That cliffhanger is honestly maybe top five cliffhanger I've ever seen. So this sequel has been much anticipated. And this year's loaded or else it would have been in my top eight. So number eight, Nick, kick us off. All right, well, you just mentioned it, and that's uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, I wrote a little, I copy and pasted the little letterbox synopsis for my top eight, if they're the, the first one. So basically, for anybody who doesn't know, this is the story of Fred Hampton, 
um, deputy chairman of the Black Panther Party, who was, spoiler alert, assassinated in 1969. Um, so super interested in this. Obviously, we saw from um, Fred Hampton in the trial of Chicago 7. Um, he was kind of the, the eighth guy who they they pushed out a little bit. Um, but like you mentioned, Daniel Kalua, Keith Stanfield, also features Jesse Plemons. Um, and directed by Shaka King, um, he hasn't really done anything in the past on Letterboxd, but um, super interested to see how this man handles all the talent that, ha- that he has on his plate. Biopic around this era of time, super interesting for me. So that is my number eight. Go ahead, KJ. All righty, kicking off my top eight. At number eight is Fast Nine. Um, love the series. Grew up on that series as well. Uh, directed by Justin Lin, who also did uh, Fast Five, which is kind of like the turning point of it all. Um, it was going downhill for a little bit, and then everything got realigned. And now um, John Cena is in the movie. Kind of excited about that. Um, so seeing him as the villain, like John Cena, and interested to see in uh, his acting skills, um, being a villain this time. Sounds like you're a little excited about Cardi B, too. I mean, you know, Cardi B, uh, you know, it's going to be fun to watch her on the big screen, you feel me? <laughs> fun is a interesting word to use there. <laughs> Phoenix, let's hear it. All right, so my number eight in the... Uh... I don't know how I'm going to pick this, but uh, my number eight is going to be Raya and the Last Dragon. So Raya and the Last Dragon, it's a new uh, Disney movie. Uh, This was on my 2020 most uh, anticipated. It got moved back into 2021. Um, It's a movie that looks really good. It's an animated film. Uh, I dig it. Uh, the animation looks beautiful. It's very folklorish. So I'm always interested in different worlds. And Pixar can do no wrong in my eyes. Oh, sorry, Disney can do no wrong in my eyes. So I'm looking forward to it. Looks like it is, it'll be a fun movie. Alrighty. Well, um, my number eight is going to be Eternals. Now that I think about it, and KJ got me going on Escape Room 2, those will probably switch, but I'll stick to it for now. Um, Listen, I've been dogging on the MCU quite a bit as of late, but I'm trying to be better about it. I like how ambitious they are going now. Um, I'm excited about this story going very cosmic. You know, when the MCU has gone cosmic, they've done pretty well so far. So don't know a ton about this. Don't want to know a ton about this until I see the movie. So um, I'm excited about it. New MCU content is always going to excite me, despite me being a little, little low of them as of late. But um chloe zhao as well is getting uh, is a big reason why i'm excited for this movie you know um she obviously directs nomadland which none of us have seen yet but all of us are really hyped for that will pretty much be a lot to get nominated for best picture and she's just done a ton of fantastic things one of the up-and-coming directors in hollywood so excited to see what chloe zhao can do not only nomadland but the eternals as well or I'm sorry, Eternals. The is not included anymore. Yeah, <laughs> really. Because the Batman. All right. Starting off with the number seven round. 
I got Gucci. Um, this is a film about the. Just listen, Phoenix. Just okay. listen. Okay. Um, it's a film about the the Gucci family dynasty, and evidently there's a murder somewhere in there. Um, the cast is is stacked. The director, um, well renowned. We got Lady Gaga, Adam Driver, Al Pacino, and Jared Leto, just to name the, the the big ones, and directed by Ridley Scott. Um, so not a big fan of of Alien, but obviously I haven't seen a lot of Ridley Scott's movies. So interested to see how he takes the turn or takes the 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 story of of this this Gucci family. So there you go, Phoenix. You you reserve judgment and, and now you're interested. Yeah, I'm interested and also kind of weirdly confused because I'm like Ridley Scott does really it's like like sci-fi. Yeah, it does more sci-fi and it sounds like a character drama. So okay, mm-hmm. like I'm interested, but that, that seems like a weird mix. All right, KJ. Yes, sir. Alrighty. So my number seven, I'm gonna have to go with Black Adam. Um, this is an interesting, uh, at least the release date is going to be interesting because it was formerly December 20, uh, 22nd, 2021. Um, we'll see. Apparently they're moving it. I don't know if that is forward or backwards. So I guess we'll stay for that. As of right now, it's sitting at my number seven. Interested to see um, Black Adam as, you know, that is all powerful antihero as well as, you know, Shazam's nemesis kind of so that should be interesting to watch and see how that plays out especially with shazam uh coming out in 2023 of course it has dwayne the rock johnson that's my boy love seeing him on the big screen so very very excited about uh seeing how this movie turns out yeah all right i forgot about black adam but uh i'm going with a movie that i don't know if anyone has heard of or seen any of the promotion for but i look i i i look like what i've seen so far i can only hope the movie turns out well so i'm going with the 355 uh it's a movie that stars uh lupita nyong'o i think uh penelope cruz or and uh jessica chastain it's like an all-female group of uh world-renowned assassins but it looks sweet. Like, it just looks like a sweet, stylish action movie. I hope it lives up to that potential because you got so many, like, Academy-level actresses in it. I really hope it's it's good. So for me, that's that's my number seven is the 355. My number seven is Gucci as well. I know that was Nick's number seven. Um, yeah, this movie really came out of nowhere. Um, if a cast gets excited gets me excited alone lady gaga al pacino adam driver jared leto and jeremy irons i mean that's a great great group of five right there so love it um i'm a little concerned about ridley scott because i know he's an iconic director but i have not loved ridley scott's work so that scares me but we will see nonetheless it cracks my top seven so let's move on to six all right starting at six um, this was a movie that I didn't know about until I was looking up movies for this, but that is uh, The Little Things. Mm. Um, Denzel Washington, Remy Malik, Jared Leto, uh, John Lee Hancock, don't really know much about him, um, but it's two detectives 
I'm trying to find a, a serial killer. Uh, serial killer. One of my favorite movies is Zodiac. So uh, super interested in that. Um, so there's something about secrets and pasts and all that fun stuff. Um, so don't really know much about this. Haven't really heard much about it, but uh, looks super interesting just from the little bit that I've seen. Yes, sir. I am going to go with the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard um, for my number six. Um, if you haven't seen the Hitman's Bodyguard, it is a very fun movie. Um, one of the most memorable things that I have watched in recent years, um, just by the fact that I could sit down and just enjoy the whole movie. No, it is not a perfect movie by any means whatsoever, but I'm very excited to see what they do with the second one. Um, when you have Samuel L. Jackson in a movie, um, of course, I'm going to be interested in seeing how uh, they move on to the second installment of it. Uh, I'm here for it. So that is my number six for you all. Nice. All right. Um, my number six. No, I'm pretty sure this one is coming out in 2021. I hope. No, I I'm literally that. on the, the letterbox page right yeah. now. I'm pretty it's sure Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. Is that is that due out in 2021? Yeah, that's 2021. Yeah. It was okay. on my list. <laughs> yeah. OK, then that's that's my number six. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. That'll be my number six uh, for 2021. All righty. Well, my number six is one that I know is going to appear higher on a couple of your lists, but it's Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, you know, Martin Scorsese is obviously an iconic director working with his two guys, the OGs, Leo and Robert De Niro. First time they've started a movie together. So that alone is going to get me excited. What holds this one back a little bit for me is – um, that it's set during old, old times, members of the uh, Indian tribe in Oklahoma. This is just a time period that does not interest me. It's a time period that I find myself frequently bored of. It gives me very Dances with Wolves vibes, which I hate Dances with Wolves. So um, Leo, De Niro, Scorsese, love it. Outside of that, I got to know more before I can get more excited. Yeah, that was going to be, and last time we did uh, 2021 anticipated, it was on my list, um, but now it's kind of up in the air. Um, I didn't even see it when I was looking at the 2021. I don't even think it has a release date. So that's the only reason why it's not on mine. It would definitely be top three for me. Um, but my number five is another movie that I really didn't know much about before this, and that is The Guilty. Um, basically synopsis is a call operator tries to save a caller in danger, but he soon discovers that nothing is as it seems and facing the truth is the only way out. Paul Dano, Ethan Hawke, Peter Skarsgård, and of course my man, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal and Paul Dano work together in um, Prisoners, which is one of my favorite movies, and they were fantastic. Um, I believe Paul Dano is a producer on this too. Um, so those two will have me interested any day. I am a little bit nervous about the director. Um, he's kind of directed some like two action-y like shooter equalizer 
type of movies. Um, so that does worry me a little bit. So hopefully it can have a serious tone and, and do Jake Gyllenhaal justice. That is an impressive cast. It also has Riley Keough, Devon Joy Randolph, and Bill Burr, and Christina Vidal. Okay. Yeah, I, I saw that too. And I was excited when I saw that cast. Where I'm a little hesitant, though, is at least on Letterboxd, it says voice for almost all of those people. So, yes, it's a great cast, but if it's like, like you said, it's a call operating. So, if it's just someone sitting there hearing Ethan Hawke's voice, hearing Paul Dano's voice, per, me personally, okay. that gets me less excited but uh, than actually seeing them. But um, yeah. Well, hopefully, it's not like that. <laughs> Hopefully, otherwise not. it would not well, be on my list. Letterbox has never been wrong. They they get everything right all the time. So right, exactly. You know, Chadwick Boseman's the lead of the Defy Blood. So also, I think that may be a remake. Not a like. I think there's a uh, yeah, there's a Denmark version of this movie. So I, I I'm gonna watch it today. It. Yeah, <laughs> they're probably making the same one, but an Americanized version. Either it one. has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, KJ, what's your number five? Yes. I am taking Phoenix and moving it up one spot. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I'm very excited about this movie. Anybody that has watched Marvel knows that we've seen the Ten Rings from, I mean, the very beginning and seen it throughout as well. Um, so interested to see and how all of this goes hand in hand and, what they're able to do with the Ten Rings and uh, Shang-Chi in general. And excited to have Marvel back after this long uh, <laughs> little suspension that we have had, I guess. So that is my number five. Amen. All right, so Kraken, my top five, is a movie that uh, wasn't on my radar, but the more I keep hearing about the cast, the more excited I get, and that's gonna be Babylon. Uh, really like, I really like this cast. I'm, uh, I'm a fan of. Uh, oh my God, I'm blanked on his Damian name. Damien Chazelle. Damien Chazelle, thank you. <laughs> I'm a fan of Damien Chazelle, so I'm interested in the kind of story that he's gonna tell us based on the silent era. So I'm really interested in this story. And like I said, the cast is amazing. So well, that cracks my top five. All righty. Top five for me. Uh, number five is The French Dispatch. You know, Nick and I watched all of Wes Anderson's movies together uh, this semester. And he's a very hit or miss guy uh, for me. And most recently, I really loved The Grand Budapest Hotel, but I hated Isle of Dogs. So... He's hit or miss. The story seems interesting, but if Gucci gets me excited about the cast, the French Dispatch really gets me excited about the cast. And, you know, Nick touched on it earlier about the Knives Out cast. Regardless of how people feel about them, that is a collection of talent. They are obnoxious, but it's a collection of talent. This might be the greatest cast ever assembled. Wes Anderson is the god of getting cameos, so I don't know how many cameos this will be. But you look at Bill Murray, Benicio Del Toro, Jeffrey Wright, Francis McDormand, Adrian Brody, Tilda Swinton, Owen Wilson, Timothy Chalamet, Elizabeth Moss, Edward Norton, Willem Dafoe, Saoirse Ronan, Christoph Waltz, Jason Schwartzman. My goodness, Kate Winslet. That is a lot of names, a lot of A-listers, a lot of talent. It's always fun seeing talent on screen, so... 
my goodness, that sounds outstanding. And even if the story sucks, even if this is a Wes Anderson miss, um, it's going to be fun seeing all those, all those talents. Yeah. My number four is the French dispatch. Um, I think Nathan and I are, are in the same boat. Enjoy fantastic. Mr. Fox love, um, the Grand Budapest Hotel is one of my favorite movies. Um, like the Darjeeling Limited, but other than that from Wes Anderson, it's kind of a miss. Um, so hopefully this is more Grand Budapest Hotel rather than the Royal Tenenbaums. Um, I have no need to list off the cast that I listed because Nathan already did that. Um, so super excited for this one. Hopefully it's a, another Grand Budapest Hotel. And my number four, I'm sticking with Marvel here, uh, The Eternals. I'm excited to see what they are able to do being uh, in the cosmic realm, something that we haven't seen before. Um, I feel like this is a very, very important time for Marvel. Uh, it's either hits or misses at this point in time. And if they want to continue their long run of being a powerhouse in the movie industry, um, these movies have to be some hits so um i am gonna hit that same vein sticking with marvel but i am going with black widow um i've been wanting to see this movie forever and every time i go to the theater and they show the trailer again i get more and more excited um i just want this movie like i wanted this movie back in like 2012 so like <laughs> i just want this movie by now so that's going to be my number four. You know, I, with my number four, I must be a fool. I must be a fool that this company keeps tricking me into getting hype for their movies. Um, but I can't. I, I, I am so excited for this, despite how I feel about this franchise overall. I'm so excited for Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, <laughs> look, we know how abysmal Justice League is. I must be a fool for keep getting excited for these DCE movies because they're all awful. Um, but just the fact that his vision is getting realized, the story here helps my anticipation greatly. You know, we did a whole episode on it. Zack Snyder's whole vision was getting replaced. He had a death in the family, had to walk away, and they basically stripped him of his movie. This is like a third of what his movie would be or a quarter or something like that. I'm not the biggest fan of BVS. I'm not the biggest fan of Man of Steel, but I'm excited for this. I hope it's awesome. And it's just exciting to see this kind of story. This is one of the biggest movie stories of all time, at least behind the scenes wise. So I'm really looking forward to Zack Snyder's Justice League and I must be an idiot to keep getting excited about DC. All right, top three territory now. Um, my number three, and this is a movie that I've been excited about since its 2020 delay, and that is Last Night in Soho. Um, the basic premise is a young girl passionate about fashion design is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters her idol and a dazzling woman, wannabe singer, but London in 1960s is not all what it seems, and times, um, and it's falling apart with shady consequences. Thomas and Mackenzie, Nathan's favorite, Anya Taylor Joy, um, 
and directed by Edgar Wright. The the story more interesting than the cast for me. A lot of these are are cast driven. I'm very concerned about Anya Taylor Joy because she's always played the bitch in everything that I've seen her in. Um, so hopefully not. Um, but time travel, 1960s. It's all there for me. Edgar Wright, Nathan, and I will be watching all his films soon. So we'll get a grand scale of how, how he is. So super excited about last night. And so, and have been for like a year now. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to be in that same camp. <laughs> My number three is also last night in Soho. Uh, yeah, just what Nick said. Uh, you have Edgar Wright, so you already have my attention. Uh, time travel. I'm all I'm all on board. So uh, I I want I mean I want to see this movie because I know what Edgar Wright can do behind the camera. I know what he can do with his scripts. I know what he can do with his soundtracks. So I'm super excited, over the moon to see last night and so on. Phoenix got a little trigger happy there. Jump in, uh, jump in KJ. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, KJ. I'm like, dang, I'll get a chance. <laughs> he nah, just got just so like... excited talking about Thomas and McKenzie. <laughs> <laughs> no issue, no issue. I'm taking Phoenix's number four, moving it to my number three. So Black <laughs> Widow, um, yeah. of course, was supposed to come out this past year. Um, was excited about it then, was excited about it forever um and still have to wait for it but i guess that only adds to the hype and anticipation so that is why it's at the top of my list there at number three so i'm so excited about all these even my honorable mentions it was it was hard to to pick what's going to leave out of the top eight but this for this jump from four to three for me personally it is the biggest leap like i am so pumped for Zack snyder's justice league which was my number four but my top three now, over the moon excited. I can't wait for all three of these. It was so hard to place these top three. Um, so it pains me to say this is number three, but um, number three is Spider-Man 3. Um, I rewatched all the Spider-Man movies over the summer. Huge fan of that character. Like I said, the MCU, I'm not a huge fan of what Spider-Man Far From Home did, but nonetheless, I'm excited about Spider-Man 3. Everyone's kind of uh, hot or cold with what they're doing with the multiverse. You know, they are bringing back a ton of villains. Whether Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire come in is rumored. But nonetheless, this is going to be wild, and I'm absolutely here for it. I'm here for the fan service. I'm here for the multiverse. I can't wait. It pains me to put this at three, but so excited about all three of these. Yeah, I think that would be on my, my top list. I'm just super nervous about the MCU and the multiverse. I low-key, and you guys can, can share your opinions on this. I think that it's coming too early in Spider-Man um, kind of arc, and I think they're um, pulling the trigger too quick. I think they are impulsively saying, oh, we had all this success from Into the Spider-Verse. We have to do multiverse and MCU now. So kind of nervous about about yeah. that. I don't know how I, I agree. Feels. And, and I think that I think that's a little bit why um, I, I don't know. Like I'm definitely nervous about it, but at the same time, this pumps me up for it more. If they just did a traditional Spider-Man story for Spider-Man three and had a normal villain, um, it would definitely make my top eight, but it'd probably be seven or eight. I, I think 
the multiverse makes me more excited, but I'm still a little bit cautious as well. I think Willem Dafoe coming in, Jamie Foxx, Alfred Molina, it's it's going to be so awesome. And and I, while I am nervous, like you said, I'm absolutely here for it. So, um, yeah, I just hope they go away from Iron Boy. I can't stand that. But, uh, Nick, what is your number three? So, my number two um, – yeah, yeah. My number two, um, and this might come as a surprise, is is Dune. Um, this was at my number one for the longest time. Loved Denis Villeneuve, one of my favorite directors, top three for me. Loved Timothy Chalamet, and this cast is incredible. Probably the second best cast this year with Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Stalin Starsgard, Dave Batista, Zendaya, Javier Bardem. The list goes on. Um, Nathan and I don't watch trailers. But this was the case of the Batman trailer was really good, and we were super hype about that, and kind of got caught up in, in that hype of watching a trailer and wanted to watch the trailer for this, and it didn't ruin it for me. Um, it just kind of decreased my anticipation a little bit. Um, still super excited, um, but I think I'll hold all judgments until I see it. All righty, to follow that up with my number two, I am putting Space Jam at my number two. Um, very, very excited about this film. Uh, I think it has that, that the, the, just the feeling of like an old story being brought back. Um, of course, there's a new plot, a new person who happens to be my favorite athlete and LeBron James starring in the movie, um, but also having like Don Cheadle in here um, directed by Malcolm Lee and uh, Ryan Coogler producing. I just feel like it's gonna be something good. Uh, I feel like a lot of people have been waiting for the second Space Jam since 1996. It was released, the original. Um, I'm just really excited to see what, what they do in this new generation um, of Space Jam. Well, number two for 2021. Let's hope it actually comes out in 2021. Okay, uh, I'm going with Ooh, I got two that I'm, I'm torn on, but I'm going to go with The Green Knight uh, starring uh, Dev Patel. Uh, it's an A24 film. A24 has no misses in my eyes. Uh, and I love Dev Patel. And this looks like a medieval sort of a horror movie, I guess. Uh, but it looks awesome. So that's that's going to be my number two right now. Huh. <laughs> Well, uh, hit the, I'm going to hit the same wavelengths as my roommate, Shocker. Uh, my number two is Dune. I can't believe I put this over Spider-Man 3, but um, look, I'm, I'm excited for Dune. I really am. Um, the cast, absolutely incredible. Incredible, incredible. Just like the French, French Dispatch, this is going to be crazy cast-wise. Um, Denis Villeneuve, fantastic director as well. I'm agree with Nick though. The the trailer, everyone was losing their mind about it. I thought the trailer was ridiculously mid and was just an okay yeah. trailer. Um, I don't know why people were losing their mind, but I'm hyped for Dune. I can't wait. I've wanted to to uh, watch the older movie, but I don't want to know anything else about it other than what the trailer shows. Dune is number two, and I can't wait. All right, so it is that time. Um... I was very nervous about this movie. Um, I didn't know if it was real. 
didn't know if it was, you know, letterbox just throwing me a bone. Um, but we, we spoke to, to Yasmin direct, um, discussing film and she confirmed that this is happening at least as of right now. Um, and that is Damien Chazelle's Babylon. Um, super excited about this movie set in, I love Hollywood history, um, movie history, Mank Garbo. Um, so hopefully this time period will do Babylon justice. Brad Pitt, Tobey Maguire. It was supposed to be Emma Stone, but is now Margot Robbie. Um, even though Letterbox doesn't doesn't say that. Um, so that cast alone, with the director, super excited for this movie. Whether it's going to come out this year, or next year, kind of still up in the air since we haven't heard anything about this movie. Um, so just Babylon, super excited. All righty. Following that up with my number one, I am going to have to go back to Marvel with this one and Spider-Man. Um, stated before on here, I would be Spider-Man very, very uh, excited about this film. Um, hopefully it turns out how I expect it to. Of course, we already touched on the incredible amount of moving parts in this film um, with them tapping into the multiverse as well as bringing a whole bunch of old characters back and also still having to tell this Spider-Man story. Um, so kind of nervous about that, but I do feel like if anybody could pull it off, if any studio could pull it off, it would be Marvel Studios. So I'm just going to give them the benefit of the doubt and keep this at my number one for now. Yeah. All right. So we've reached my number one. And my number one uh is now it was my number two in 2020 uh so let's hope it doesn't disappoint like my number one did and that is in the heights uh lin-manuel miranda's uh adaptation of his own play i'm super excited for this I, as i've said many a times my favorite genre of movies is movie musicals so this tops my list. It looks amazing. I uh, recently saw the trailer again in theaters and had to stop myself from singing out loud. Um, yeah, this is, this is gonna be my ish in 2021, I guarantee it. So In the Heights, number one for me. My number one is Babylon. Um, look, La La Land is my favorite movie of all time. Whiplash is one of the most perfect movies of all time. Damien Chazelle, when he does music, it is incredible. This is one of the top up and coming directors in Hollywood. He will be a David Fincher, a Christopher Nolan type name here in 15, 10 years. Um, and I'm really excited about this. Like Nick said, we had no idea if this was even a thing or not. There was nothing about it online. Only letterbox, which has never been wrong, had it. And, um, that's a joke. Letterbox is always wrong. Um, had it. And, and until we talked to Yasmin on discussing film, who is very in the know, confirmed it's happening. Um, I'm a little concerned as well. Once I saw Emma Stone dropped out, I love Emma Stone. She's my favorite actress. Um, as well as Michael B. Jordan and Meryl Streep were supposed to be in this as well. Both of their names have been removed from the cast list at least on Letterbox, but, you know, so Letterbox has never been wrong. So right, Let, Letterbox has never been wrong, so we don't know that. But it is a little concerning, nonetheless. But 
give me Damien Chazelle and give me music and it will always be one of my most anticipated movies of the year. I cannot wait. Uh, Toby Maguire's first movie since boss baby. So uh, just really looking forward to this and, and just inject anything Damien Chazelle into my veins. So just let's do our top five again, uh, going backwards from five to one. Um, Nick, why don't you go ahead? Just as a recap. I got to open it back up. I close the document. So somebody else go. All right. KJ, why don't you go ahead? All righty. I had five Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Sticking with Marvel, I had four The Eternals and three Black Widow. Number two, I went a little off course with Space Jam. And then number one went back to Marvel with Spider-Man. Those are my five. All right. All right. My top five was The Guilty, The French Dispatch, Last Night at Soho, Dune, and Babylon. Phoenix? Uh, I got Babylon at number five, Black Widow at four, Last Night in Soho at three, Green Knight at two, and In the Heights, number one. And I had the French Dispatch at five, Zack Snyder's Justice League at four, Spider-Man three at three, Dune at two, and number one is Babylon. Lots of great movies coming out in 2021. I'm sure there's a ton that we didn't even get to. Some that we're very excited for that didn't even crack our top eight. So hopefully this is a great year for movies, not like 2020. Man, really exciting stuff. Can't wait. We all had some fantastic picks. So really looking forward to it. And let's move on. I believe it is that time, gentlemen. It's time for Film Code. Nick, it was your code word this week. You remind everyone what your code word was and all of your clues, please. Yes. So my code word was babysitter. Came out from 2019 to 2009. The two leads were in iconic 2010s films and the writer and director combo have worked together in the past okay quick question <laughs> do you mean 2009 or 2019 like what's the difference okay i was just curious if you said that backwards all right so one other question uh you said that these two leads were in 2010 iconic movies in 2010 are they in iconic movies together or are they in separate iconic movies that's for you to figure out you suck <laughs> all right all right well phoenix are you confident no in your in your guess <laughs> not at all All right well well why don't we start well, we'll start with kj um we'll go most uh, well no yeah yeah we'll, we'll start with nathan no, that oh, you're, you. I have a three-point lead, and you're gonna let these guys copy my answer. No, I, I'm going no, that's last. What, that's how it works. That's how it works. You're in the lead. You go first. That is such Fair shit. Away. Are you kidding me? What these guys mean? can just cherry pick. They're like, oh, that answer sounds great. I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> that is such shit. All right. Well, well, you know, in the NFL, the best team. No, 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 no. I, I should have the lead. I should go last. No, see, Phoenix agrees with, with me. Phoenix agrees with me. Uh, hold on. 
One second. Oh, no. Call it. Heads or tails, Nathan? Heads, you go first. Tails, you go last. What what does calling it mean, then? (laughs) Heads, you go first. Tails, you go last. I don't need to call anything, then. (laughs) Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, all right. (laughs) Tails, you go last. So, KJ, kick us off. As it it should be. I have no movie. Next. (laughs) (laughs) This man man would have been like, damn, that sounds good, Nathan. I'll go with that. (laughs) (laughs) I was. I was going with one of (laughs) y'all's. I just uh, found out that is found that out is an hour and fifty six minutes ago. This that cold is word. proof. <laughs> proof. Nathan was selling me out. He didn't even give I'm me the code word until an hour ago. Look, I'm never gonna get a point, guys. I'm never gonna get a point. That's all right. You know what? Next time, I just leave the show before we even do this. See, I, see, I think we should blame Nathan. Nathan's your point of contact for the show. And uh, he didn't allow you to even try the code word. He I did last week. At I the did beginning last week. of, but that the last week's not this week. Exactly. <laughs> yes, Nick. Get on. Just He's just going. trying to keep that. All right. All right. Just oh. keep exactly. going. Keep going. Exactly. <laughs> Phoenix. Right. Okay, I got a guess. I'm sure it's wrong, but this is all I got. So, um, all right. <laughs> I'm going with a movie from 2012. Um. I I don't know if these two work together. I'm sure they both had iconic movies in 2010. I hope I hope it was separately. 2010s. Um, 2010s. So it's the entire of tw- entirety of 2010s. Uh, yeah. I I think the writer and director combo is the same person. So that's what I'm going with. Uh, so I'm going with Judd Apatow and this is 40 in 2012 starring Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann. So that's my guess. <laughs> All right. Well, well, as a one-time, uh, you know, mess up fee, KJ, if you'd like to cherry pick my answer, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you uh, go in on this with me if you want. Is it right? I, I, how would I know? We'll just wait and see if you it's have right. you have the opportunity. You have zero now. You have the opportunity to get one. Why would you not take it? You might as well just carry me since you. Choose. All right, all right. So KJ and I are going in on this together because I delayed giving him it on accident. <laughs> at least you admit that. At least you admit that. All right. So like like I said last week, um, obviously I don't know if this is right. I'm not a hundred percent confident in this answer. Like yes, I know this one, but at least all the clues match up. So this might not be the right answer, but at least this fits all the clues you gave. So hopefully that works. I'm a little scared on your definition of iconic because I don't, I don't know what you define as iconic and not. So we'll see. Uh, Nonetheless, um, I'm going with 2018's Mary Poppins returns. This seems like a movie you'd be interested in. I don't know. Um, This just sounds like it's up your alley nonetheless emily blunt stars in it was in a quiet place that had a lot of great reviews was in sicario i know you love that as well um ben wishaw was in skyfall was in the lobster skyfall is maybe an iconic movie daniel craig's best james bond movie um so yeah i I think that was it there paddington he's in that as well Um, also the direct (laughs) the director is rob marshall so he has worked with one of four writers on this movie, John DeLuca, who was a producer on Into the Woods and Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, which are both directed by Rob Marshall as well. So 
John DeLuca and Rob Marshall have worked together. I don't know if that's the right answer, but nonetheless, it fits all the clues. So at least I'm satisfied with that. Well, yeah, I think the same thing. <laughs> I am happy to inform one party that Nathan will not be extending his lead. He got the year correct. He did get the year correct. And at first I was a little bit nervous when he said the year, but the move, the two leads that were in iconic movies. Um, I think everybody here would consider this an iconic movie. Charlize Theron was in Mad Max. That's an iconic 2010s movie. And uh, Mackenzie Davis, oh, your girl in uh, Not So Happiest Season, was in Blade <laughs> Runner 2049. I would call that a iconic 2010s movie. Um, the director, Jason Rettman, was also the director of Juno, which got nominated for Best Picture. And the writer, Diablo Cody, was also a writer for Juno. And that movie is totally... And that is the movie. <laughs> Are you mad, Phoenix? I saw that and I was like, I hadn't seen it, so I wasn't sure. But yeah, that makes perfect sense. There we go. You know, Nathan, it's actually been on my watch list, so I'm, I have a reason now to check it out. It's okay. The streak was going to end eventually. You know, it's fine. There's no way I could have kept like a 12-week a streak or a 15-week streak. It's fine. I'm happy to get three after we went months without a single person <laughs> getting one. I think a three-week streak is pretty phenomenal. So, um, nonetheless, I'm just happy my my clues uh, my clues would have worked. So, I'm happy I at least got that. What is, what 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 was your movie again? Mary Poppins Returns. Uh, I guess that that is a babysitter. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, it's my code word. I told the guys pre-show that I do not have one yet uh, because I want to make it at least difficult. My last one, Little Miss Sunshine, was extremely easy and no one got it. So I have to punish these guys and at least give them something to look up. Um. So yeah, that's that's mine. Glad I'm still in the lead. Oh, you mean when Brandon was like hair? And it wasn't it wasn't tangled. It was um, ratatouille. Ratatouille garbage. That's the be- <laughs> beauty of the code up, word. It's the beauty of the code word. Garbage. I'm sorry. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> well, let's wrap this up, guys. Um, Phoenix, tell people where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at imhoreviews one. That's the number one. And on Letterboxd under P.A. Cloudin, just went pro, so super excited for that. And I got a bunch of reviews due to come out either today or tomorrow, so check me out there. Nick? You can check me out on Letterboxd at Nick on Nick Spain. Um, going through Stanley Kubrick's filmography. Right now, just watch Lolita last night, more like Lo Snooza. That was so boring. Um, so good luck with that, Nathan. Um, getting through all the Pixar films, just watch Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc. Next is Finding Nemo. You just watched just The Mandalorian. Just watch The Mandalorian. Um, I love Baby Yoda. 
um, Pascal Mando, my man. Um, so lots of lots of new stuff coming out here soon on the Letterbox. So follow me over there if you let me know. If you're a fan of the show, like Nathan says, I'll give you that follow. All right, KJ, my good friend, our good friend. Thank you so much for coming on again and being a great guest host. It's been a great few weeks having you on. Thank you so much for joining us again. Where can people find you? Sir, appreciate you inviting me again. It's always a fun way to uh, start Sunday out being with you all. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at KurtJr underscore. So K-U-R-T-J-U-N-I-O-R underscore. Um, as well as add me on LinkedIn, Kurt Russell Jr. You know, we business people out here, make them connections, make the world a better place. That is where you can find me. I always look forward to those LinkedIn shout outs. Those are, those are <laughs> wonderful from you. I'm glad, I'm glad someone on here plugs their professional profile. Yes, sir, you know me. <laughs> Uh, as for me, my name's Nathan Pig. You can find me on Letterboxd at Nathan Pig. Uh, as Phoenix pronounces me the CEO of Hot Takes, I'm sure there's some things over there you could check out and read some of my reviews and disagree with. So please give me a follow over there. Also, make sure you follow the show over on Twitter at Film Code Pod. I talked about it earlier. We do free shout outs. Uh, we'll be doing something about watch parties and Q&As and things like that. So a lot of exciting opportunities to get involved over on Twitter at Film Code Pod. We've done a ton of exclusive episodes. Nick and I did an interview. Phoenix recapped some 2020s we didn't hit. Brandon, who has not been with us uh, recently due to work. Brandon and I did a Mandalorian season two review, which will be up soon. Tons of great content for you guys. Thank you so much for listening to Film Code. We really appreciate it. However you're listening, if you could give us five stars, give us a thumbs up, however the rating system works. Uh, I know it's kind of lame to ask, but it really, really does help us. And if you've made it this far, chances are you like hearing us talk about movies. So would really appreciate that. I want to thank KJ for coming on. I want to thank Nick. I want to thank Phoenix. And this has just been a blast. Thanks, guys. See you guys. <laughs>